The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. With me is Brian Burke. And Brian, in an anchorman moment, I glanced down when I was uh, giving out the numbers and came within a hair's breadth of reading out your mobile number to the nation because it's <laughs> the top of this page. Ah, no harm, no harm. <laughs> if you want to call Brian, you can get him on. <laughs> Brian, you are an expert in, in all of these things. How does the greenskeeping look here at the course? Oh, top-notch, Anton. But, I mean, green, green keeping is it's an art form. I mean, there's an army of professionals involved in keeping these in tip-top con- condition. I mean, it's... They produce something that's over and above what you or I are going to produce in our back garden. That's Very sure. envious. Very envious. I assume it requires somebody to come out and look after it every single day, like nursing a baby. I mean, it's, the, it's all about the blend of the grass, the way you prepare the substrate, the, prep, the, the amount of horticultural sand versus soil that you put in, the drainage characteristics. There's a whole, a whole field of science goes into it. So I should just let go of the ambition to ever try to just emulate that in the backyard. Just let your lawn go. Let it go into wildflowers. Don't start the wildflowers <laughs> again. Uh, text asking, have you any idea how to get a badly pot bound agave out of a ceramic pot. It was clearly a mistake potting it in the first place. The pot is beautiful and I want to keep it, so smashing it is not an option. My understanding was an agave is a sort of a desert Mexican dweller. What's it doing in a domestic setting in Ireland? (laughs) That's a very good question. I'd love to know the circumstances around the agave ending up in the pot in the first place. First of all, agave is rhizomatous, which means that it it needs space to spread those lateral roots just underneath the surface. So if it's in a pot, it's just circling. It's just going round and round the inside of the pot, so it's got no future in that pot. I don't know how it ended up there in the first place. The caller said the pot is beautiful, they don't want to smash it, right? Okay, so my advice for anything pot-bound, including anything rhizomatous, bamboo or anything like that, is get a bread knife, a long serrated bread knife, cut vertically down about two inches in from the edge of the pot and remove that slice of material. Remove it completely. That creates a little void, creates a little bit of wiggle room, a little bit of movement that the plant should Presumably be able to Presumably you're also going to slice off a lot of roots in that Not process. Not really. If you stay about 50 mil in from the edge of the pot, you should be okay. You might damage some of the roots, but not enough to jeopardize the plant. How do you know if a thing is pot-bound? Well, you, when you grab a hold of the foliage and try and lift it, if the pot comes up with the foliage, you're pot-bound. Another one asking, I want to create a circular bed, diameter of about four metres within an existing lawn. I don't know how to go about it. Where do I start and what do I do? Don't say the words wildflowers. (laughs) I wouldn't dream of it. A circular bed within an existing lawn. Well, the first thing to do is strip is you need to strip the, uh, the existing vegetation. Now, in order to do that neatly, you're going to have to cut. So if it's circular, get yourself a little piece of wood, knock it into the ground, just down about two inches. Set the diameter with another piece of wood, screw it to the piece that you've just screwed into the ground and spin it, rotate it like the hand of a clock. Mark as you rotate with a spade or a half moon edge or something like that. That's going to cut your sod. That's going to give you a lovely, clearly defined edge. Then get into the circle itself and cut the sod into smaller little chunks. Then get your spade under it. Don't try and strip sod that's just in one big indistinguishable chunk. It'll just frustrate you. Split everything into sods about a foot square and they lift out easily with the spade. You have a lovely clean substrate then. Depending on the way the soil is, you might need to rotivate or cultivate what's there. You might need to add additional material. Depending on the drainage characteristics, you might need to add some loam, some sand, whatever the case may be. But assess your soil, see what it's like, see if it's capable of sustaining what you want and amend accordingly. The, the Mitchell and Webb comedy show at one stage had a sketch where they had, it was, it was meant to be Gordon Ramsay and he was talking to one of these poor chefs that he intimidates and he said, look, it's just simple ingredients, simply cooked. Yeah. And he said, yeah, by you 
you. <laughs> to me, it's like magic. <laughs> How am I meant to know whether my soil is loamy or not? Well, I mean, you can, you can tell an awful lot about your soil by just handling it. Just feel it and crumble it. Like, the great test of soil is when it's moist, after it's been raining for a while, pick up a handful of your soil and squeeze it in your, in your fist. If it leaves a slick, mucky residue on your skin, chances are your soil is very clay. It's too heavy in clay. If it crumbles and falls away and leaves a little bit of a stain that you can just brush away, you've good loamy soil, which means the constituents of that soil are good between sand, silt and clay. You're looking for about 40% sand, 40% silt, 20% clay. That's what we call good balanced loamy soil. Just another thing on the stripping of the soil, in order to avoid a bit of elbow grease, you can hire a sod cutter, a magic machine that you can hire down in the hire shop. About 50, 60 quid a day and it's going to strip that sod for you make things very easy. Roll it up, compost it. Easy peasy. Uh, text asking, I have little fleas in my sunroom. Somebody said it's my spider plants that attract them. Help. I assume it's flies rather than fleas. Plants wouldn't be attracting yeah, fleas. Yeah, yeah little, little aphids, little black fly or green fly. Now, spider plant, the uh, spider plant is the chlorophytum. So spider, any, any kind of house plants are notorious at, at attracting little aphids, little flying friends. F purely because the inside areas get dusty, we need to keep our plants clean. So uh, one thing that people forget about with houseplants is just keep the foliage clean. Get yourself a misting bottle, like a spray bottle, and every so often spray down the leaves. It removes that kind of dusty residue that little aphids and little flying insects like and, and propagate in. So keep it clean. If that doesn't fail, just clean it with soapy water. Simple soapy water. Simple washing up detergent. Wash your a, plant. Yeah, into a spray bottle and spray the leaves of your plant, and that should take care of it. Because I, I notice a lot of, um, if, if you get that if you've got fresh fruit in and around the house, that you end up with them sort of gathering the same. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you leave fruit in a bowl for too long on your countertop or your island, you're going to get that fruit flies, yeah. A, a tricky one, I'm not sure. This may be at the, I don't know if there is an outer edge to your competence, but if there is, this might be on it. Okay. Good morning. How best to replace a broken fence between two semi-D houses where there's hedging on both sides of the fence? There's hedging on both sides of the fence. Okay, well, right, let me see. Well, That's like laparoscopic surgery. How are you going to get to it if you've got hedging <laughs> on both sides? Can you take the hedge out and put it back? Okay, I, I wonder what, what, the, uh, what the fence was com uh, composed of in the first place. Well, there's those concrete hedge posts. You know those concrete hedge posts that you get the, you get the panels that just slide down into them? If it's, if it's a case of that, it's very simple. Just slide out the old slide in the new. If not, you'll need to get in there. And if you're digging holes for new concrete posts or new even timber posts, 4 by 4 in amongst roots of hedges, right up again, that's going to be hard. That's going to be tough going. I don't know. Do you that. wrap your posts if you're using wood, or do you just put them in raw? I just put them in raw. What I would, what I would tend to do is just treat them at the bottom. The, the, the posts will break. The, the point at which they're really susceptible is where the concrete ends and the post begins overground. That point where the concrete ends at ground level. That's the point that's susceptible to rot. So treat that with something. Treat that with a preservative. Also, another good tip is caulk silicone. The point where the concrete meets the post, silicone it with a really good... Oh, so the silicone. moisture doesn't wick so in the between the two. That's, exactly, that's running down the post. It'll hit the silicone and run off your concrete. And also, you angle your concrete away so that it doesn't collect water. We, we've obviously started something of a trend in discussing the greenskeeping because everybody now is coming in with lawn questions. Um, one of the most common ones being about how do you turn it into being just grass and not everything else that's green. Um, for instance, how do I get rid of clover in my lawn? 
I mean, how do you get rid of clover? I mean, do you, do you really want to get rid of yes, clover? Yes, you do. No, right. clover's yeah, no, you great. Do. Clover contributes you want to, to look the biodiversity. But when you run a mower over it, it lies in one direction, then it lies in the other direction, and you get stripes in it, and it's all very elegant. And people go, that's a lovely lawn. Right, okay. okay. How do you do that, if, Brian? If, if that's something you want to prioritise, I mean, a tree, we're coming into prime time for all lawn treatments now. Three-in-one treatments. So the weed, weed killer, moss killer, and the fertiliser. Three-in-one treatment, September, absolute prime time for that. You're also, your iron-rich feed, Four times a year, we're coming into the time you apply one of those feeds. Iron-rich feed, three-in-one killer, and keep it cut over the winter. I keep saying this, keep it cut over the winter. People neglect their lawns. From October through to April, they don't, they, don't, um, they don't go near their lawns. If you can, I know it's tough going when it's wet and it's soggy and the mower doesn't like wet grass, but if you can, keep it cut over the winter, and that's a real help. Quickly, recommendations for stuff that we should be thinking about planting now. Now is the time for garlic, is it? Uh, garlic you can plant now yeah garlic is a great overwintering veg get it in the ground now lovely sunny fertile spot plant to get certified cloves this is the problem people people have with garlic in the same way as if you want to plant potatoes you need to get certified seed get certified garlic cloves don't just stick the cloves that you buy down the supermarket in the ground they will produce foliage but they won't bulb out they won't produce anything of, oh. of, of note yeah so get certified cloves about an inch below the surface of the ground in a sunny fertile free draining area harvest next June next June, or July thereabouts and anything else that you would put in that category of good stuff to stick in the ground this time stick of year stick in the ground overwintering spinach good overwintering uh, kale uh, broad beans peas onion sets shallots things like that will overwinter beautifully if you just protect them with a bit of fleece or plant them in undercover Brian, as always, a uh, total pleasure. Brian Burke, who is, of course, RTE Super Garden Judge and Woody's DIY and Garden Expert. And as always, Brian, we have more questions than we could ever get to. We'll gather them and we will try to get to as many the next time that you are in. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at 9 on News Talk.